Welcome to the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop. Chopping up the good, the bad, the insane movies, TV shows of the horror and supernatural genre. With games, trivia, facts, and more. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop, or what we're going to call it right now is just the chop shop welcome to our episode 17 yes this is our episode 17 of season two and we're so proud of it and uh so all the ghouls the horror lovers the horror uniters the horror supporters out there the horror ogs we thank you very much you know uh, i think in this whole season we've brought you some great stuff so before i get started i'd like to introduce my amazingly great co-host. Uh, before I didn't say that, her name, I'm Zach, Mr. Isla, the horror OG and owner of the Gory and Bloody Splutter Chop Shop. And this week, getting ready for spring, I had to throw out a few limbs and you know and stuff like that. I had to ask my co-host over here, what's to throw out, what not, because she's going to be here very soon. And we can't have all these limbs going there. But anyways, my partner in crime, always at this crazy chop shop, is L. The, fame, the, the fabulous Psycho herself, the B-movie fabulous, I mean, the living dead girl in real life, the beautiful Ellie Sparks. Hello, Elle. Hey, Zach. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Um, I have to say I'm glad that uh, the past week is over and we can get back to, well, starting another week. <laughs> yeah, Elle, how, let me ask you real quick. How do you feel? Like, uh, we, it's episode 17 on this episode, like we're, we have to plan something really big for episode 20. You know what I mean? We really do. Uh, honestly, I didn't think we would be reaching, uh, episode 20 until probably the end of April, maybe May. And we're here by May. We might have 30. You never know. There are some weeks we do multiple episodes. Yeah. So this is actually crazy. I didn't, I didn't know how far we would go with season two, and I've enjoyed every single one of our se- episodes. No, and people listen. When people are listening to this, I want them to know that um, when I first came up with the concept of this show, I I started with one partner. It wasn't really my fit, and then I started. Then I got you finally, and you are the perfect fit. And when we started doing episode one, I knew what the perfect fit would be, and we just kicked its butt big time. And that's why we kicked the ass so quickly. We got to episode 17 without even thinking about it. Like, literally, we started during holidays. And we got here. Like that. And it, it's awesome. You know, and um, I'm very proud of us. I'm very proud that you... I want to tell the audience, Al did not ever do a podcast prior to this again. And she came out running. And she's the best supported partner of all time doing this thing. Like, how she was never involved in this kind of stuff. And she was great at it. And got better at it, day, episode by episode. I've, yeah, I've never once done a podcast, ever. So, this is the first, the only podcast I'll be doing. <laughs> Don't say only, because we'll be interviewed by other podcasts quite soon, I, I see in the works. Okay, okay. This is the only podcast I will be co-hosting. Uh, exactly so um when i before i mention the movie we're going to be discussing for our 17th episode i want to say it's a film that for about like when i two years i i wanted to review this on a podcast and i got said no to by the ex-partner and 
when I offered this movie to you, L, you lost your mind saying you were going to suggest that to me. And not knowing that, I was like, oh, you're that's awesome that we both always wanted to read the review this movie we're going to be reviewing tonight. I went ape shit, bat crap crazy. Like, this is one of my favorite movies uh, starring Bradley Cooper because it's so different from what he normally is in. And it is gory. And yes, you do have some CGI in it, but it's not overly done. And it is absolutely freaking creepy because it's very realistic in the aspect of things happening yeah and like i, I mean i'm gonna be your new york i'm, I'm gonna be, i'm gonna be the new york guide for you during this movie because i have information you have your information i have my information i i watch it like again today and i'm gonna tell you there are certain scenes that they didn't like, I, i'm gonna go more into that but like wow it's actually really creepy because at that time there were situations in new york city that was going down like that and rumors so uh, i will get into all that <laughs> I will let you get into that stuff too, because I didn't know about that until you mentioned it. And it was, it made it even more, uh, more of a horror to me, I guess. I don't know. No, (laughs) it's going to, it's going to make you feel like it's more of a horror when I give you details during the movie review, but okay. Tonight we will be reviewing the 2008 horror film, the midnight meat train that is based on one of the best horror writers in the world, Clyde Barker's 1984's short story. And it is a very short story, which I read growing up constantly of the same name, which can be found in volume one, which I have of Barker's collection, a book of the uh, books of blood. Mm-hmm. It, it literally, like, I had, I lent it to my friend, Ricky. He lets it to like another, we passed that book around constantly when we were like in high school, we were like, we loved it. We were like the weirdos for liking that book. Because the book came out the year I'm it was sorry, born. That's not weird. That's not weird. Yeah, but like I to, love that. To, like, to other people, yeah. But like, the book came out the year I was born, 1984. But like I, we were in high school, I found that book. You know, I found that book literally in the library. I actually think our library has it, and we're a tiny ass town. It's a good book. It's an amazingly good book. It, it's the only people have tried to make movies out of Clyde Barker short stories and have failed constantly. And this is why I was so amazed when I heard this one was coming. Out, I was like, "What is that the same? And I didn't know it was the same story as the book. And I looked at it, I'm like, yep, and I watched it right away when I could see it. This movie did premiere in New York City at the IFC Theater, very small theaters all across America. I, could, I unfortunately couldn't get to the premiere of that film, and I was so pissed. But I found that, and I read all the and then I saw it later on, and it is amazing. And can you tell everybody who the film was directed by? Because I cannot pronounce the director's name. It's Raihie uh, Kitamura. Thank you. And mm-hmm. it, again, it stars Bradley Cooper, Leslie Bibb, Brooke Shields. Yep, Brooke Shields. Marjorie Bart. And that's Ted Raimi <laughs> in the scene, which I'll talk about. And the awesome Vinnie Jones that you could see in Snatch and several other of Guy Ritchie's movies and more. He's also in Jason Muse's movie. Um, oh, what is it? Madness, yes, and the method, yes. yes. But I don't think we need to go into who Clive Barker is. If you guys don't know who Clive Barker is and you're listening to our show, chances are you're a poser because Clive yeah. Barker is a huge name in the horror genre. Honestly, I, I can understand if you don't know Clive Barker, it was the story writer of the script who was based on. But I, if you don't know the name Clive Barker and you listen to a horror podcast. 
you're in trouble with us because I don't, I have to put you in poser jail, which means you're going to be in there with like poser Johnny, poser Samantha, poser Susan, poser Amy, poser Bobby. You know, you're going to be in trouble. You're all going to be in there. I dread that plague. Yeah. Those are two hints, you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. I do. He is a god in the horror industry. He really is. Yes, he is. And now on to our actual review of the film after our crazy banter, because we have to get you ready for our crazier banter going on. I paid very close detail to the blood, to the gore, to every single one of the kills. This movie's great. You cannot not see this movie. I expect nothing less because that's your part of this show, especially during this review. I gave you the reins that actually I knew you'd be the queen of giving us all that. I have my notes, but I know you're going to come in with your notes. (laughs) Oh, I have pages upon pages of notes on death alone. Okay. (laughs) And that's not a pun to someone's funeral. Okay. No, it's not. This movie, you know, there's not a whole lot of kill scenes, what? but there's what? a lot of bloody. Yeah, there's a lot of bloody scenes. And I, it I, seems I, like there's more kill scenes than there actually is, but there's really not that many. But I have to say, like real before we go into review, you did mention CGI. I have to say, there's no way they could do that one or two scenes without that little bit of CGI. Which I will go into <laughs> when yeah. we get there. Don't get ahead <laughs> of us, Zach. Okay. All right, so now to begin this film, we're going to start it off. The film starts with a man waking up on a subway train, a train no one else is on. I've been there, hung over after a bar thing and whatnot. He gets up and slips on something. Uh oh, what is it? It reveals it to be blood like, all over. Like, and then all of a sudden, he's now covered fully in the blood from the floor and is freaking out. Who the fuck would he? He's probably hung over again from a bar thing, and he's like, what the hell's going on? All this time, the lights are going off and on, on in the train. Which is and, not uncommon. Okay. It's not uncommon in the 80s. <laughs> well, in Pittsburgh, it's not uncommon. Okay, just continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he is, and he watches through another train car as an unknown man at this point is slashing a body and there is blood everywhere, like, on the, the train car. Like, in that train car. It's like, what the fuck? You don't know who that, that is that's slashing, really? We don't know yet. So don't We don't get, know yet. We don't we know don't, yet. We can't say names until we know the movie points, okay? Okay, I'm zipping the lip. <laughs> zipping the lip. <laughs> Duct tape. Drinking the tea. Slapping the bass, man continue okay so we have that slashing going on of the infamous person or anonymous person i should say all right so then we cut to again introduced to leon played by bradley cooper and he is a new york photographer who wants to capture unique gritty shots of the city and we meet his like i have to say his amazingly supportive girlfriend maya who gets him set up to show his pictures to the great Susan Hoff. And I can't believe they got Brooke Shields to play that role, but Brooke Shields, yeah, that's Brooke Shields. Uh, actually, she got her friend uh, Jargis 
to do this for him. Yeah, she did, but like I have to get this going. Yeah. So like I can't believe Brooke Shields played the role. <laughs> I was kind of surprised this was Leslie Bibb. I never, I never put that together because like she, for some weird reason, she just doesn't look like Leslie Bibb, but she looks like Leslie Bibb. You know what I mean? No, hundred percent. Yes, she. I, I got that too because like Leslie Bibb now is like married to this one and blah blah blah. I don't want to get into all that, but yeah. I love her in this role in in this movie. She's just. The girlfriend everybody wants. Yeah, like I guess again, the like very supportive girlfriend. Like every guy really needs, and if they deserve that, like holy shit, you should keep her. She is a hundred and ten percent ride or die. She's not backing down from anything. She is right there for him. Yeah, so like Jurgen, Jer- you know, like him, like when he finally gets to like the place to meet Susan. He basically says, whatever you do, do not mention Maya. Like, Susan likes her artist, young, male, and single. Actually, you know what? The male part isn't actually important. Yeah. (laughs) I caught that one. (laughs) And then when showing Susan his pictures, he says, his interests are the city, and no one's ever captured it. Are you fucking kidding me? You know how many artists in New York City like live their careers, have captured New York City. I have a picture of my bathroom that someone's captured the World Trade Center before it was done, before it came down. Yeah, come on. Like it's like complete like artist bullshit speak. Anyway, the heart and the heart of it and says, Well, she just says to him, Well, you're failing. <laughs> you know? She does not sugarcoat it. No, and she I'm- she tells him like you were yeah, not she- you were at the wrong you're at the right place, but not the right time. Basically, honestly, I got from that conversation that she had with him that she was bullshitting himself and bullshitting her. That's kind of something that an artist needs for them to push past their comfort zone. I 100% agree. I, I, I think that so many gallery owners have told that to aspiring artists throughout the years in New York getting started. Yes, and that's exactly what a lot of us uh, artists need from the people that are going to help us further our career and help us develop more of our talent. Yeah, I mean, I've been told that. I think I've told that to you, right? Yes, yes, I, you I, I've told that to many others. Um, that's helped them greatly. I'm proud of them. I'm proud that someone gave that to me. I'm proud that I did that for you. And we're all going to grow. But like, that's the truth of it. When you as an artist in a city, you have to get shit on to get better called tough love yeah i just call it getting shit on to get better yes but it's a tactic that people have because they see potential but they see that you're not living up to your full potential so they want to see what you can actually really do when you push yourself and she literally gives them great great words like she she wants to see the face of the businessman when the filth touches him be brave then come see me because he has his pictures of this businessman and and stuff like that but it's not like she wants to see it all come together you know and that's the truth yeah his pictures are good but they seem very bland very blah like you don't get the danger you don't get the grit you don't get the the city nasty from it no and there's a lot of city nasty that gallery owners wouldn't want to see and will sell more paintings correct mm-hmm. so now He's crushed when Susan criticizes him for not taking enough risks. And Meyer tells him she's not right and unable to, and he's unable to sleep after a dream. And 
he just like he heads into the city's subway system at night. I mean, all right, dude. Like, okay. Again, I feel like they really kind of wanted to portray this film like when he and Clyde Barker wrote the short story in the eighties, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where he takes pictures, seeing a group of men who are about to sexually assault a woman. Mm-hmm. He takes and he takes the photos, but he stops and yells out to save her, and continues taking the pics as one of the men comes comes up to him up the stairs. And Leander says all these stupid comments to him, like almost he probably would get killed. They go face to face, this guy and Leon, and says, You ever started in a movie? And he points up to the cameras in the subway system. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> Leon uh, definitely played that quite safe because yeah. he was not only taking pictures the whole time, he was standing right where he needed to be standing to ensure his safety and the girl's safety. Yeah, I think that was like well played by Leon, to be honest. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But how likely is it that that was actually going to happen that way? No, no, not not that likely. I'm sorry. No. No, not going to happen like that. But, you know, after he basically saved after saving this woman, ask her, are you okay? And he says, most of the people would have ran. She tells him most people would have ran off. And he says, I didn't this time. Mm, Meaning usually he would. Yeah, and that's when he takes one final photo of her boarding the train. That's when we see the hand of the unknown man keeping the door open for her with a ring on. And he just so happens to capture that moment. Quite well. Yes, but to remind you guys, it's just a hand. That's it. That's it this point. So now that this woman is on the train, she puts in her headphones, she puts on her headphones, you know, listening to her music. I mean, again, by herself on the train, that really does not happen in New York ever. <laughs> Never. Well, no, she's not by herself, and we know this. Because the unknown man is there in the back, and from yes. behind, the unknown man comes over and kills her. Yes, he gets the meat hammer out and walks up behind her while she's just innocently sitting there, and ooh, right to the back of the head, one blow, and the son of daughter. And this is, oh, 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 come on. I thought it was zipped. It was zipped. Hey, I don't know what you say. But, like, yeah, the, the meat hammer situation, I loved how the cinematographer decided to use that to, like, give us a whole blood screen on the camera. They did really well with that. They did so well with that. I mean, her, her death wasn't all that bloody, but... You still got some blood splatter. Like, all the camera of the screen was, like, all bloody. Going into, like, the next day, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it was CGI there for a second, a split second. So, it wasn't, like, uh, the mean one where everything is, you know, CGI. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out or non-shout out to that one? (laughs) I'm going to keep my lips just shut. All right. So the next day, Leon has returned home. He's home now. And he picks up his photos. They're all set up. And Maya is like, wow, by them. Says, you have to show these to Susan. He's got them all going on. And at this point, you can see Leon being a little different. I'm just going to say this. It started with him being a little different. Then while that same day, Leon is having breakfast at the restaurant where Maya works. He's got this. I love to see when he has a little banter with the, sh- with the the owner, the chef guy. Who, oh, about the uh, tofu. 
<laughs> yeah, because Leon brings in his tofu. It doesn't work. The chef's really cheesesteaks. Damn right, it don't, in my opinion. And well, does... yeah, the chef keeps saying that he doesn't want to contaminate his his uh, his steak with the tofu. And I, I love it. Leon's like, well, I don't want you contaminating my tofu with your grease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Grease, exactly. Oh, that... Did you see that stovetop? Ew. Yeah, and uh, literally, like, he's Leon's all dressed to go, and so shows Susan these pictures, and then he picks up the paper and sees that woman he supposedly saved the night before has disappeared in her pictures in the paper. So Leon goes goes to the police to report this. That's where he gets introduced, and he meets with Detective Lynn Hadley, who says the missing woman was a model. And could have made, if he sold these photos like a magazine or a rag, he could have made big bucks. Basically, Leon presents like his his evidence to the detective Hadley, I have to say, who disbelieves him or is just kind of, I don't know, there's something about her at this point, you know? I thought something was off about her the moment I saw her, but okay. Yeah, it wasn't like mm, it's not like the, what detective usually say. You'd be in cuffs probably by the time we left that place. Otherwise, you know, either that or they would be like, "All right, don't leave the city." Blah blah blah. You know, something like that. Yeah. You know, they would follow up with more questions and stuff like that, and they would say that, but they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And so, from, like, from this point on, uh, we're also no longer referring to the random girl. That was on the uh, train. She now has a name. Her name is Erica. Yep, who was a very famous model. Yes, Erica Sukaki. Yep. Just saying. No, <laughs> I, I need. That's always what you you you're a part of this. You gotta add these things in, of course. I have that in my notes, but I wanted you to add that in. Alrighty, well, I added that in, even though I added something in a little too premature. <laughs> So Leon now intrigued who needs just two, yes, two more shots. Yeah, you know, for like the, the main thing that shows Susan. He leaves to investigate reports of similar disappearances. So back meanwhile, back on the train, we meet, I have to say, two douchebag banker types from New York, who one is called Brando, who's played amazingly douchey by Ted Raimi, you know, Sam Raimi's brother, who's been mm-hmm. in several things. Yes, I love him. Uh who are flirting with a co-worker woman on the train. So well, little R- Randall and the woman are married. Yeah, but it's seeming like kind of a three-way kind of hookup thing, you know? Kind of. The one guy was over-talking Randall, and he was trying to get them to do the three-way, and you can hear Randall sometimes kind of quietly saying, you're not going to get my wife to do this. Yeah. So... At this point, I love these details that we go with. And it's so unnecessary for a podcast where we do and at least, you know, but it's, it's going on. And then the train goes a different way. And she's like, did we just miss our stop? It's, yeah, the train goes a whole different route now. And you see that. And yes, the, it goes. It goes the other way. It, it kind of comes to a Y, and it, instead of its normal route, it goes to a, a different route. Obviously. Yeah, and the unknown man again comes behind Randall, and she calls his name, and then his head gets bashed the fuck in. You see the eye come out, like pop out. That's CGI right there. You saw that scene. And yes, that was CGI. But you know what? It was it was done 
very well. Uh, you could still tell it's CGI, but they did it very tastefully, I think. It was gross. I, I, I do, too. I do, too. And then when you see all the blood coming over the white and the other dude, it was like... Oh, I love the, bl- the blood and the brains splattering as it, yes. you know, as the hammer came in contact with the back of his head. Gross and great. And then we see this unknown man holding not just the hammer, but now a hook that hooks the other dude in the right gut in the crotch. Region. Yeah, I'm gonna say gut crotch region. Okay, you guys, Zach is being far too modest and polite. The hook goes pretty much right under the guy's balls and up in. Yeah, it does. Okay, let's let's just call it where call it what it is and then he slammed into the train ceiling and then he's just dropped and he that's hammer to the face yeah that's while the wife here over here falls on randall's eye oh. and the blood that's on the ground <laughs> ah, I, I mean you're on your fucking husband's eye now his blood and she's crawling asking why are you doing this but the other dude that you just said who like went through the genitals and all that is still alive, grab tries to grab him, but now is fully butchered real damn good by that hammer. Yeah, with the with that hammer goes right to the side of his face, and that was it. That's all it took was that one swack, and he's done. And that's blood on screen again. That was like blood splatter constantly on that camera screen. That was great. I could, I didn't even notice that it was CGI the first time I watched it, you know, years ago. Like that was just great at the time, and it's still great. Hell yeah. It's quick, yes. And it, it doesn't take a lot of time for him to do these first few kills, but they're awesome and gory as fuck. These kills are fucking gory. This is very much Clive Barker's work, you know? Yes. Very Clive. So now we get Leon waiting in a bus stop and he's and he's like basically stalking the unknown man. He's you watching. What? You forgot how he kills the girl. Right, okay, tell him how he kill the girl. Uh, he just hits her in the head twice, but the yeah. second splack knocks her head off, and we see uh, the killer in first-person view as she's blinking. That's about it. Jesus, you have two heads? Who, like, me? Uh, yeah, I do all these notes. It's like, I, you know, I can't remember every single thing to write down. <laughs> I pay attention to my favorite parts. My favorite parts are always the death scenes or the kill scenes and the body counts. That's just me. Well, that's your more. that's your part of the show. So you don't say you forgot something. Like, oh, Zach, wait, I have to include. Okay. All right. So now this Leon is waiting at the bus stop and he's like basically stalking this unknown man. He sees him walk up the escalator wearing his great suit, holding a briefcase, sharply dressed. He's taking photos of him walking off, follows him. The unknown man and Leon goes uh, goes to walk and is grabbed by him. When we see a ring on that man, the same ring from the train picture. And Leon says, like, sorry, mister. I just wanted a picture of you. Sometimes I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, in New York City, I don't think it would have went that well. Eh, you got a 50-50% chance. A lot of people are like, dude, what the fuck are you doing taking my picture? It most likely would end like, do you want to suck my dick and come into my hotel? Yeah, it's, it's going to be something weird. It's going to be something you're not going to enjoy. Exactly. So, yes, this unknown man enters the Barclay Hotel, a fictionist hotel. And 
looks behind and Leon develops the photo and, and, and he looks behind him. Like he's like watching a spot. Meanwhile, Leon develops the photos and sees that's when he finally sees the hand holding the door with the same ring from the model's pictures. And we get a look into the unknown man's life as he's in the hotel room. And I love when we see that, like, it's like this everyday routine, getting himself ready together, you know? Very OCD. It's very American psycho, you know? Yeah, it really is. I hadn't thought of that. Yes, it's very American psycho. Very, okay, precise. He's going to do it at this time, this time, this time. It's routine. Yeah, it's, it's a daily routine. This guy is set on a clock to do. Uh, yeah, very mechanical. Very, very robotic. Mr. Oh, Roboto. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Roboto. <laughs> hey, so, so Leon, like, this is when Leon actually, like, I don't, like, me personally, I, I mean, I miss the 80s in my mind as this movie was kind of being based on. Um, he's a photographer. He needs to get his like piece. He needs to get like a, a, a muse for his work. But Leon starts this investigation, falls in throughout the day. This leads him to the meat plant. I mean, you know, hanging dead meats of animals in the cold, etc. Think yeah. Rocky training kind of shit. <laughs> Pretty much a place where you're going in and you're going to see a lot of animal carcasses. Yeah, vegan would like probably like, throw up the minute they got in there. They're not hanging bean curds. No, they're not. So, like, Leon continues to take photos of this man. And now we see him in the clothes working there and carrying a slap of meat. It's like, what? <laughs> the man then leaves in his suit while Leon continues to track him. Like, dude. You got your. You really should give this up at this point, man. I I really wanted him to give it up at this point, but he doesn't. We see this unknown man waiting for a subway. Doesn't yawn for like what feels like hours. You know, it does. It feels like it drags on. Then a certain train does arrive. Leon, all like he's like probably took a piss in his pants at this point. Took a shit in his pants at this point because he's like there, like just hiding, taking pictures of the guy the whole entire time. Yeah, thinking he's real sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not He's not that sneaky, you guys. He's quite um, obvious. But I love, like, like, you just said that one, because I love that this actually would happen. This is now, I don't think it's the 80s, like, maybe. And now I think it's, like, after 9-11-ish, guys, because then he's, like, we on to stop by a cop, because it seems like, you know, he it's the kind of, uh, orange alert suspicion, which is a code they still use, that he might have explosives in the camera, which is a thing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and he's like, it's a camera. <laughs> they have been proved cases of cameras, like carrying <laughs> bombs and shit. So yeah, people have put bombs in their shoes. You think you can't do that in a camera? Yeah, exactly. So like, he's like, uh, it's just a camera. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, you know, you can put in a water bottle. Like, goddamn. Yeah, sorry, Leon. Yep, thank you, chance then. But back to the train now. A passenger. Always back to that train. Yeah, passenger now arrives on the train, and it's. It, I'm not going to say the name to get us sued, so I'm not going to say the name of the group that is the name in New York City. But it's a person that's one of those city, not cops, but defender kind of group guys with the beret on, 
you know what I'm talking about. If you're from New York or someone that knows that, I'm not going to name the group. Again, don't want to get us sued. Arrives, making fun of the man and laughs, saying, life's like a box of chocolates to him. Basically, he was insulting him and saying, dude, you look like fucking Forrest Gump. Yeah, that we could say. But the passenger strike, and then, you know, the, the passenger then gets into a little scruff with him, strikes back with a big knife. It was a pretty big knife for like one of those kinds of people. They wouldn't have that kind of knife. They fight. It was a good fight. I have to say that was a it was good a fight. Decent, it was a decent freaking fight because the guy on the the one that's killing everybody, the butcher, he's he looked he took a few punches, quite a few spots there. You're like, oh shit, he's gonna go down. He went down. Yeah, he went down. He got marks. He got hurt. So this this gentleman actually did a number on our guy. And then he finally break uh, when he breaks his hands and, th- and more parts, and then he hammers his head in again. Blood splatter all through the camera. <laughs> I love that whole editing process they did there. Again, um, I thought he got shot in the head by the uh, conductor. No, he like put his like, the conductor shot in the head afterwards. But yeah, he was like going at it. Yeah, it, it was it was not good. And this is also the part where we do finally learn the guy's name. And I already prematurely said it. She does stuff a lot of prematurely ways. Sorry, guys. Hey. <laughs> no. So, yes, we meet the conductor who comes in after his gun and says, I'm very disappointed at you. And we learn his name now, the butcher. Monogamy. Yep. But clean up the mess. And that, again, guys, now we now we refer to him as Mahogany for the rest of the movie. Review. Yes. So while then, Maya is cleaning up the restaurant. Leon surprises Maya with a ring that's not an engagement ring, but a ring that says they will it's be engaged. Yeah, it's a pre-engagement Soon, soon. It says he can't imagine his life without her. They have a little love-making session with extra aggression if you watch the movie. Oh, yeah. We won't say anything about that. You have to watch it. We see, you know, we see things he's thinking about and seeing in his mind. Then we see the train again yeah. hanging. And in his little weird thoughts, he sees, we don't know, we don't know at this moment, but we see the train and with the hanging dead bodies, Leon killing someone. And then we see Leon killing somebody while he's in that moment of having that intimate moment i'm like oh, okay All right. i found that very weird like how, how is that infiltrating his mind at that personal point but i i think it kind of goes into it a little bit more as to what was actually happening the further we went into this movie yeah i, I think like the whole process was once he started getting involved in this like it was this- sucking him in and taking him over they, yeah, he was being vetted in a way, you know. Yeah, I, I, that's the uh, gist of what I got from it, which I found absolutely riveting. Yeah, it was very outside the box. I loved it. So meanwhile, mm-hmm. Mahogany, you see him back in his hotel, and he's like, "Oh man," he's like with his little tool taking the, the nasty parts of his chest off and mm. putting it into the little glass into the cabinet. Then he takes his little pills. I'm like, ah, okay, you know. Oh, tell me that didn't look like so gross. 
It looked like you had some kind of like disease and you were pulling off the disease parts of your chest. I felt it when he was digging around and cutting it off. Oh, and you could tell this, this is a normal thing for him. He, he does this quite often. He's got some that aren't cut off. He's got some that have already been cut off. And then he's got the ones that he is cutting off. Yeah. And uh, even him at this point in the mirror, he doesn't look too happy doing it. No. Um, I think when he, his last kill on the, on the train with that one gentleman. He got injured. He started before he got injured, he started coughing and he started spitting up blood and kind of expressing that he was in pain or possibly ill. And that's why we're seeing him in this position now in his bathroom. Possibly, yeah. There's, there's certain things that we can't say, but we have theories on later on, you know? Yeah, I'm trying very hard not to prematurely say any more because I'm trying to stick with our program here. If you do it one more time, I will pay for you to get a tattoo called I Say Things Prematurely Tattooed on Your Butt. I'm putting the duct tape back on. So at this point, Leon is doing his research and um, Maya sees like his pictures hanging and looks at the picture of Mahogany and says, who's this guy? And he says, just some butcher, and says he was at the station the night the model went missing. And Maya's like, trying to be honest, with him, like, just move on. Just, you know, take your Honestly, pictures for Susan. She, yeah, she was seeing all these pictures of Mahogany, and I personally think she was like, all right, you're starting to be a little bit obsessive, a little creepy, stalkery about it. Yeah, but does Leon do that? Nope, no. he does not. He continues to follow Mahogany and back to the slaughterhouse. And at this point, he literally has the camera that's his like thing, and he puts he just takes a coat, puts it on to blend in, sees the other butchers. Like, all right, you got some balls, Bradley Cooper. At this point, you got some balls. He's, he's fucking walking around. These guys have never seen him. He's walking around like he's fucking management because he's just walking around and like surveilling what they're doing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've I've worked in a factory before. If you're not doing something specific, you, somebody's gonna yell at you. Somebody should have said something the moment he walked into that room. I agree. I don't know what kind of uh, slaughterhouse kind of situation that was, I guess. Uh, and I think they would have uh, literally kicked you out, but who knows? This is, again, a movie. But uh, he's, right. he's taking constant photos. That's when he gets the look from Mahogany looking straight at him. Uh, he gets freaked. He runs off. Mahogany goes after him with a fucking butcher knife. But Leon finally escapes by jumping on the back of a truck. Good, good skills there, Leon. Oh, I love that whole the whole peekaboo session between the fucking the cow or pig carcasses. Oh yeah. my god! And like Leon pulls himself up with a meat hook so that he can't see his feet at the bottom. Oh, that down. was sick. That yes. was great. Yeah. Sorry, I I pay attention to this movie because, like I said before, we even got into it. This is one of my favorites. No, it was like such a cat and mouse situation in that whole meat locker situation, you know? It really was. And Mahogany almost had Leon quite a few times in that in that freezer. 
Yep. And now this is what I'm going to talk about. This the next day, like Leon meets with Jurgers, and and he's there. And you know, this guy is too dope. He's supposed to be a vegan kind of guy, and he's looking at Jurgers's food, and he notices like you know he's getting like, roused by the chef and everything. And he takes a piece of meat from Jurgers's meal, but then says, "Fuck it, give me one of those myself." And this is what you can tell. This dude's changing. Yes, because he was very adamant at the first port where he's, uh, he's, you know, he wants his tofu. He doesn't want the meat. He wants the tofu. Here he is taking a big chunk of his buddy's freaking steak, his medium rare steak. No, he, he will bring his own tofu into there because they don't make too much yes. tofu in there. So like, yeah. Yes, he brought his own tofu in in a, his own Tupperware. Like. And now here he is. He's just taking a big old hunk off of his buddy's steak that still has blood on it, y'all. Yep, that's a little bit of a man changing, y'all. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of the big key clues that something is not right with Leon. Yeah, and at this point, Leon, at this point, you're saying, is looking like complete shit and seeming very obsessive. He suspects that... Like, this, this guy, he's like the butcher, has been killing subway passengers for the past three years. Meyer comes home where Leon explains all his findings. It, it's it's insane. It's like they have this whole couple. She's really thinking he's out of his mind. She is. She is thinking that. And she's starting to grow more concerned as he's growing more and more and more obsessed with this, this one person and the truth behind this one butcher. And it's slowly taking him over. Like, you can't really get through to him. Yeah, because at this point, she's even saying to him, please, no more night shoots. Just do day shoots. Only things that make you happy. You make me happy. And she's, like, starting to undo her clothes. And, uh, you know, and there, he's like, yeah, he's like, I agree. He goes yeah, to she, constant she photos to, of Maya. Yeah, I love that. She's trying to take his mind off of it with intimacy. Yeah, definitely like you said, do or die, girl, you know? Yeah, definitely, you know? There's something obviously wrong with her, man. She's trying very hard to take his mind off of it. Unfortunately, every time he starts to lose his focus on the on the butcher, shit keeps pos- popping up in his, in his vision and stuff like that, and he just can't. And Maya, what would you do as a woman? Maya retreats to the bathroom crying, you know, like... Oh, she shut it's, the door and... It's terrible. Just, yeah. Terrible, yeah. It's heartbreaking. Because she felt very rejected. Yeah. And at this point, Leon is full, obsessive, fucking stalker out of his mind, dude. And next time, next day, he follows Mahogany again onto the last subway train of the night, only to witness... Oh, my God. What a bloodbath. One of my favorite scenes. Mm. You know, when, was it? It really could. It was fun as hell. When Mahogany kills several patches and then starts hanging her bodies on meat hooks. And after a brief scuffle with Mahogany, you know, Leon passes out on the train. I don't remember that being a real bloodbath. Well, the blood background, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's just two random young gentlemen that get killed. And we don't really see the death. We do see mahogany taking teeth out, the fingernails. Yeah, yeah, the fingernails, the like, hair, oh, the, the yes. eyeballs. Very detailed. Very, uh, very detailed. Putting him into things like very detailed. Okay. Yes, he is preparing these bodies for something, and then you see him take the meat, the double-sided meat hook, and putting it through the 
the ankles and then hanging these bodies. Gross. Yes. Very gross. But we don't actually see him kill the two gentlemen. No, we don't. Well, not on the screen, but we definitely see the the afterwards of it, you know? Yes, Leon Leon sees it because he's in the cart next to it. And then he sees Leon. Which causes Mahogany um, to go after him. Yeah, it's a brief scuffle. Leon passes Very out brief. on the train. He wakes up the next morning in the slaughterhouse with strange markings carved into his chest. He's awake when he's getting carvings into his chest. Yeah. And we see kind of what's what's doing it to him. It's monster-like. That's all I can say at this point. It's monster-like. You're getting that tattoo very soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Continue. <laughs> I always blow it on, on here I'm, I'm trying to be good and not give too much away too soon I will yes. say that we have seven bo- seven deaths now that's what you yes you are I was always expecting you to tell these like, throughout the, the whole podcast you need to do that yes we are at the seven deaths so far but trust me there's a lot more bodies to come yeah, and then when he gets home, he, he goes home the next day, automatically runs to the back of Maya's like, are you okay? And everything. Maya's freaked out. He, he basically locks the bathroom door. He sees the strange markings carved into his chest that he remembers now. Maya sees them finally and says they have to she go to the hospital. She ambulance, call yeah. cops. You know, she's very concerned about him. And he says, screw the, next, screw the day before. And now he's got these marks. And he's like talking very... Ah, and he's explaining it was always the late train, and the butcher oh. and the butcher likes like treats them like cattle and unloads them at the meat, uh, unloads the meat somewhere. There's an abandoned train station under the meat plant. He tells her Maya tries to call the police, but Leon stops her and asks her to leave. At this point, he knows she. If I love someone, I would say get out of this situation. Don't be involved in this. You know. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the way he grabs Maya was a bit, it was kind of shocking because he doesn't grab her like that. And it was very aggressive the way he grabs her and kind of no, he, her into he, the fridge. Yeah, ever since like some scenes before, he's become Molly more growingly aggressive throughout these like scenes. Yeah, and if, if you're not paying attention to his body language, uh, his psychological being, uh, his personality... I don't know what you're doing because like they are very, very adamant on showing the changes in this, this character. Agreed. And they did a very good job of doing it in a subtle, slow way through the entire process of this film. And I think that's one of the beauties of paying attention to a short, short story written by an incredibly great uh, writer and then ch- translating that into a film that he agreed and liked of the director and he liked the casting choices of doing that. You got to show that man, like that writer, that person, that you can do this. And so far, as we're talking about this, he proved from the, from the story I read that this movie portrays the book very well. Kitamura definitely 
he was accurate. He was very accurate with, with this movie because this is exactly how the book reads. It's a slow change in Leon. Yeah. It's a, it's an ongoing, slowly changing version of a man becoming a different kind of man. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And he, he really captured Clive Barker's work. He, he did an amazing job with this. I agree. And guess what? I want to do something new. Before we continue going into this, I want me to shut up and I want you to talk about the what we usually are third sponsor. I want you to talk about our sponsor fully now, Cassandra, and give her the prop she deserves, and then we'll get back into the review. Ha. Huh. Okay, well, Cassandra runs uh Twist, one Twisted Vixen um, on Instagram, and she does uh, handmade accessories, if you will, um, for her item of the week this this week, as was last week, is the uh, Trick or Treat Sam earrings. Her earrings go for $30 to $60, depending on the designs. Uh, this girl is absolutely amazing. She pays great attention to detail. Um, she's she's a sweet girl, too. I mean, Zach has spoken with her. I've spoken with her. She's an all-around nice woman. Uh, so go ahead and follow her on Instagram. That's One Twisted Vixen. Or you can go onto her website and do some shopping, you guys. That's shoptwistedvixen.com. And if you use our uh, discount code, you get 10% off two items. That's two items, not one, but two. And the items are free shipping if you live in the United States. Uh, our code is capitals T-H-S, and then lowercase chop shop. So use the code, get the discount, because everybody likes a good price, you know. And if you have any questions or anything like that about her her uh, her products, send her a message, reach out to her, and let her know that Zach and I sent you her way. Hell yeah. And I think like the, the fact that we're reviewing like the Midnight Me Train, her face skin earrings and hand sculpted several severed bloody face statement earrings custom made for the price of 40 bucks is a great two-deal product to buy with our discount code for this kind of movie. Yeah, uh, I was I was very shocked with those with those and the clicker earrings. Did you see the uh, the yeah. attention to detail? I mean, those those were really good. And I even googled to see what they look like. She was dead on on her accuracy, and um, she is going to be working on um, I want to say male rings, but it's like you know, it's it's unisex. Anybody can wear any of this stuff. It's very unisex. So it doesn't matter what gender you are or what gender you identify as. This girl has art for everybody. That's what I'm calling her 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 items. It's art. Um, if you like the labyrinth, I don't know if you saw this, but she did some crazy ass labyrinth ring or earrings. Yeah, I honestly, totally if you don't fucking know the labyrinth, I, I Bowie, come on. Bowie, Jennifer Connelly, I mean, it, freaking crazy. I mean, everybody knows that little worm, that little worm. And she did that on one of her earrings. And oh my God, I just, I 
I seriously want to get those sometime. But yeah, this girl is incredible and very detailed with her work. Yeah. And it, it, it's great. Um, it's a great uh, pro produce that she uses. Um, I think it's uh, some kind of a clay, polymer clay, statement polymer clay. So it's very hard, very durable. Very, it's a very, um, very safe thing that she uses. And I can tell you from being in the makeup industry, she gets the best product for quality. Hence why the products are a little bit more expensive than a piece of shit, you know? Yes. You're paying for more than just, just the earrings. You're paying for this woman's time, her efforts, her talent, the, the stuff that goes into it, you know? And, um, yeah, I, I love these uh, Sam earrings. I mean, you got the the whole trick-or-treat thing going on, and he's adorable. I, I don't know who, who doesn't love Sam, but it's, you know, a hand-sculpted Sam, his trick-or-treat bag, his lollipop, and the razor blade Holly, Holly Ho candy bar. Like, it's Fuck so it. cool. Fuck yeah. Fuck, like, Michael Doherty, like, he became a big director doing Godzilla. But, like, could you just bring us one more trick-or-treat movie with Sam, please? I would love one more trick-or-treat movie. Like, Come on. Who doesn't love Sam? I know many people who fucking love Sam. It's like Sam was awesome. Yeah, he seems so innocent. I, I can tell you the truth. Sam would be a part of my anti-bullying horror movie lovers against bullying like thing. He would. Because Sam's against bullies. There you go. He, I mean, he's terrifying, but he's only terrifying if you're a dick. I need him as my word. But anyway, well, yeah, that was our first sponsor tonight. Now back to our review of this movie that we're talking about called The Midnight Me Train. So yes. now, uh, now really fucking concerned Maya, I must say, and her friend Jorgis examined Leon's photos of Mahogany. I'm like, okay, go for that, guys. That's very, okay. that's like very New York, LA. And leading them to the killer's apartment. Like, wow. Okay. Come on, Jack. Do we have to always say LA? I mean, to be fair. To be fair. So, to be fair. And, and they, they get there as Mahogany leaves. Mm -hmm. They break into his apartment. Maya tells her to wait outside. He comes back to make a sound. This is a very ballsy move of her. This is a very bad move. Okay. This is like, don't do shit like this. And so she gets in there and finds a lot of tools. It's like a lot of dangerous tools that can like hammer, you know, kill someone, season somebody, you know? It's no secret that this guy knows what he's doing with, uh, I don't even know what kind of tools they are. But I mean, if you're on Master Chef or if you're on the Food Network, you would probably know. I don't. And I'm not, so I don't know. He's got more tools than we do at the chop shop. Let's just put it that way. We, like we have every actual, single drawer like, has something different. Yeah, we have like tools from like a, like a toolbox. He's got like tools from like um, tournament of champions, best chefs in the world. Like we don't have that, okay? Yeah, no. Like this guy is definitely terrifying with just what he has alone. And all of a sudden, Jurgis does come in. He's like, you know, it'd be better if two of us this he tries to help but and yeah, he, he finds more, yeah he finds more creepy like i'm just gonna say objects and finds the bathroom cabinet and then she finds the bathroom cabinet opens it up looks freaked but... and guess what <laughs> our dude there comes back in home somebody comes home yep mahogany's home 
And as Jurgis is looking around the bedroom, then the closet, seeing all the same suits again, American cycle, and in the bags, nicely ironed and everything. He and then he finds Leon's camera. So mahogany appears behind him. Yep. And, and he is captured as Maya finds. Well, we're gonna say it's called timetables. That's the real mm -hmm. term. Timetables that record over and that's what they call over a hundred years of murders on the subway system and escape and she escapes. Yeah, uh, there's a circle around certain times as well. Yeah, like the times of when he's supposed to be on the subway that and it's always midnight. Midnight to two o'clock, somewhere in there. And it's a time frame, correct. And yes. That get and this is like this goes over and I can tell you like I was like watching I paused it and like these are timetables that conductors have and people have this is like from decades not from years this is from decades you know one hundred years it's crazy mm -hmm. and she does she takes this to the police yeah and find and then she gets there and finds Detective Hadley again who is still very skeptical. But at the same time, I have to have... I She's still so cool and collected. Like, yeah. she just doesn't seem like a police officer. She really didn't. No, but I have to mention this, like, side scene. Like, when we get the picture of, like, Leon, he's laying in the bath, and he's with his bloody little marks on his chest still, like, touching blood him. bath. Ugh. Yeah, and we can... We, us as an audience, as viewers, can totally see him. I say that we're changing a lot in this podcast, but he is now really changing. He's like something's going on there, you know. It's almost like a um, I want transformation. To say a yeah, transformation. Thank you. Almost like a transformation. Yeah, complete transformation. And yeah, back to the police station. As you're saying, she doesn't seem like to, I, I I have my notes. She seems quite shady. She does seem quite shady. She seems like the kind of cop detective that the. Internal Affairs Department is totally looking into or something, in my opinion. It's like, it's weird, you know? But the shadiness isn't isn't something surprising, because from the moment that they, they introduce her in this movie, she's seemed shady from her very first line. Yeah, and, all, and she's saying all this stuff about the house that was there, it was empty, but the tenant wants his property back, and Maya's like, well, Jurgis has it, and all this Maya leaves as we now see Leon at his art gallery showing. I found that odd. Did you yeah. not find that odd that the cop wanted to return the evidence to the suspect? Yes. And when he like, and she what? when she said that Jurgis, who's missing, it has it, it doesn't stop her from like even continuing. It's like, um, no, I was like, uh, creep vibe. Yeah, so now <laughs> we get Leon at his gallery. Like, dude, why are you at this gallery opening? Like, your your girl is not there. Like, what is this something going on in your mind here? Nope, but you know, we know why he's changing a little bit, he's transforming into another kind of person. And that's when Leon looks at that picture of Mahogany, and that, that is a great scene. And that picture was a really great shot when he, of him just staring back at him from the meat, like, locker place, like, you know, and it's his beady little fucking eyes that got to me. It was like, wow. As stationary as that, that picture should have been, yeah, it was the stare for me. You can just tell that 
there's something not quite right with this man. Yeah, at that point, you could see Leon. He that made him that set him off at that point. That was the setup point, right, Leon? I think that was the final point to his transformation in our world. Yeah. So Leon then walks off, and they she, they ask him like, "What's up?" And he says, "I have a train to catch." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> All right then, buddy. They could have given him a little bit better of a line, but that cheesy line was great. It, it worked. It, 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 it did work. It did work. It did. It did. It, did. it was kind of like a little hidden gem of a pun. Come on. Yeah, and then we see uh then we see Maya who goes back to her restaurant, ask her like chef guy, like, you know, where is it? What do you know? Where, where is it? And she's like, she runs back there, pulls out, takes out this gun, takes her phone. And she calls Leon saying she thinks the butcher has Jervis and all that. And it was like this really like fast moment scene that if you missed it, you wouldn't see her even take the gun. And you had to like really catch her taking the gun out of the box, you know? Yeah. I mean, you hear her buddy in, in the background saying, honey, hold on. You know, like he's, yep. he was concerned when she ran out of that place. And then your favorite character now, again, Detective Hadley appears. <laughs> presses Why, my, my favorite <laughs> And uh, Hadley appears out of nowhere. And she presses, she does press Maya hardcore. How so the we, hell did she know Maya was going to go out the back way? Uh, she's a detective. Have you not watched Law and Order? Come on. I have seen it, but I mean, she's just standing there in the in the dark, you know, and hidden in the shadows, like a creepy ass fucking I don't know witch or something. <laughs> yeah, and she like she she's on Maya's ass to return those timetables. Maya has the gun in her hand, and the man's answer is holding that gun, you know, at her at yeah. Hadley. Hadley distracts, directs her to take the midnight train at and 14 not to Georgia. Street. Yeah, at 14 Street. So again, this is supposed to be New York. So at 14th Street to find Jurgis. Uh, the midnight train on at 14th Street. I'm sorry, guys. We live in New York. Yep, you all know the trains never really run on time. But okay, this train will. Uh, so basically, she my heads to the subway while Leon heads to. I love this scene. Well, Leon heads to the hidden subway entrance in the slaughterhouse. Where he's arming himself like like the, he's like Rambo. It's, it's almost nine. like a short short thirty second montage of him like beefing up, even though it's just... yeah, like a Rambo sequence, like when he's like getting <laughs> yeah. into it, you know, and he's like wrapping like the chains around him, several knives and more. Mm-hmm. He's got the um the heavy uh what is it chainmail apron on and just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically holds all the knives in a lot stronger. I'm like, yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah, you know what's happening. Yep. So now as he Leon is about to board the train, he does see Maya on it. Walking through the train, like, like through the train doors and screams, No. And Maya and runs opens, after the train. Yeah. Hold on. Maya runs open. Opens the train door and then she says no. As she's again no. As she sees, oh the bloody train. Yeah, as she sees the naked dead remains hanging of, of people. That one being Jerkus, who's still barely he's barely alive at this point. At first, you see a bunch of bodies, and you guys, I went frame by frame counting the bodies. Okay, uh, there's probably anywhere between six 
and eleven hanging dead bodies. I counted. Realizes Jurgis is there. I counted nine. What? Okay, so I was right between six and eleven. Yeah, around that thing, and then you have to say how Leon gets onto the train. Oh, that's just so totally dope. He runs after it, and like this train's almost past him, right? And he jumps and he grabs on with the fucking meat hook, and he's just holding on for dear life. He gets his ass up there. Like, yep. I can't even imagine how you could do that. I give me a meat hook and let me try, I guess, and give me a lot of energy changing into a different kind of animal. I don't oh, know. your your old ass is gonna fall off of there. My old ass is gonna fall off of there. <laughs> All right, thank you. Anyway, so <laughs> then we see like that dead woman's body for like no reason, as you know. Oh, the one that uh, Mahogany's were working on. So that counts yeah. as another dead body. So we're at ten. And he's cleaning up the mess. Like he's very thorough. He's cleaning everything up. You know. Well, he's got to prepare the meat. Exactly. And Maya tries to free Jurgis, which is like painfully fucking horrifying. Like, oh, oh. Yeah, the hooks and the ankles. He's a lot. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> no, the Mahogany appears holding the dead woman's body, drops that like a dead bag of sand, and holding his weapon in hand. She shoots at him, missing horribly. Twice. He throws her ass all the way down. And, and just, just as he's about to use the hammer, Leon appears. Yeah, I mean, you got Maya on the ground with her hands like above her, and she's just screaming, No, like, come on, what the fuck's that gonna do? Really? I mean, she's got no options op at that point. But Kick then, him in the nuts. Kick him in the fucking nuts. All right, maybe. But then uh, Leon attacks, attacks him with the knife. That was, a, that was the real good fight of this film. Like the knife scene, we have another good fight, but like Jackson with the knife, the two fights. There are between. three amazing fight scenes in this whole entire movie. The first amazing fight scene was the one gentleman on the train with Mahogany. This is the second, second. fight scene. And we're going to have this a third. Amazing. Yes. And I love like the whole sequence. They're fighting between these bodies hanging. You see flesh cutting apart. You see all that, you know? Oh, oh, and Jargus. Oh, poor. Poor Jargus. Yeah, you see Rip thrown. You, the bodies that use his weapons and Jargus, who's still hanging from a meat hook. Oh, he gets he accidentally disemboweled. Oh my god. And you just see Maya screaming in horror. I mean, that was this Boward is a nice term. Like, you see blood and guts straining down. Blood, guts, the, organs, everything. You everything. know it's not savable. No. Oh, it's so gross. And finally, Leon gets this fucking guy off the train, finally, by stabbing him and, and kicking him, him out. Yes. Yep. That's you like, guys, do you know how fast those fucking subway trains go? They go pretty damn fast, and there's not a whole lot of wiggle room between the train and the wall. Yeah, guys, I, I live in the city. I, I know what it's like for someone to jump off a train for a suicide. I've seen that in the news several times. My wife. And Mahogany is a big dude. He'd go a lot quicker, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You th Mahogany's done, right? He's just done. Yeah, mm -hmm. I would think, you would think so. And then, Leon, <laughs> the lover boy, he is a lover boy. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
the 1980s movie starring uh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, Pat, you know, no, sorry, no. <laughs> Goes to check on Maya. They have that little moment. Maya is still freaking out, seeing Jurgis bleeding, bleeding out. Still, it's like, ah, okay. Because we finally get that. We 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 truly at that scene get that scene of organs still falling out of Jurgis's body. Blood. Yeah, dri- like this. This is to the point where now things like everything's kind of come out, but there's still things that are slowly being pulled by gravity, oozing out. Like I would suggest, Leon, you don't actually propose to her in this moment. You know? Oh my god, don't do that. Uh, no. no. Then the train finally reaches its final stop. What is this final stop? But a cabana, a, a very, can you explain this stop? I want you to really explain what the description of this spot is, because I, I know you're going to have great terminology for this. I'm telling you, this train had to have taken a portal way to a hell dimension or something, because... <laughs> This is not our our world. And when I said earlier, you know, that there was a point where it was Leon's final transformation from our world, that was it. You know, he's becoming someone that belongs to this world. You have demons in this world that uh, you're delivering the fucking meat to. Yeah, it's basically a carnivorous abandoned station built with skulls, like the the composing bodies bones it's dark it's terrifying oh and i love when the conductor comes out yeah because this is when we find out the conductor is actually the really big bad you know of this movie when he, he appears is. yeah he a, is he about he he's advising lee on Maya to please step away from the meat <laughs> like it like they're in a freaking oh like they're in a butcher shop come on now well it connects to the butcher shop right Oh, so gross. But they do. They they get off of the train. Yeah. When well, things start coming on. Yeah, because we now learn the true purpose of the abandoned station is finally revealed as reptilian, I have to say. That's the best term to say. Reptilian, like, hell creatures enter the car and consume the bodies like of a, them. A reptilian bat-type facial structure from these things. Kind of like the descent from hell. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, the descent right there. This is the second time we have talked or we have re- referred to the descent. We have to review the descent very <laughs> We're soon. Have to, yeah. Yeah. So they, these things are consuming the bodies of the murdered passengers, and I have to insert this card. I'm sorry. It is definitely um, the legend of New York's underground subway system that they before the New York subway was actually formatted. There is a deeper there's a station or two that's not actually ever seen and that's where you have the movie from the 80s chud you know on the sewer oh, yeah and yeah there is creatures that people do believe there's actually cults in the earth that do believe in that there's creatures underground that we have to submit people to on a certain subway system i think this is very inspired by clive barker who like lived in new york for a while i think it's not so far-fetched yeah, you ha- I had to do that reference because it definitely brings up the Chud thing for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I-, I knew about that, but I was glad you said it because nobody could have said it better than somebody who actually lives there. There's always that, like, talk about that. But, yeah, anyway, so Leon and Maya, like you said, flee. They flee into this cavern. And, oh, my God, Mahogany, battered as shit appears. Like, and that's when we get our third fight on. 
match. Like, oh, this is the most brutal, but it's not that long either. But it's the most brutal fight that they go through. Dude, they use like body. They use like body parts of dead bones. They use like bug body. Well, I mean, they, they use body parts on the train too, because I mean, there was that part. No, where they, they use like actual and, bones you know. of people who've been dead for God knows how long. You know. And like this and, is true. And, and and other kinds of weapons and Leon, like this is when Le- you see Leon's on, he finally goes crazy and finally stabs a broken femur, a fucking broken femur from a dead person, right through. in Mahogany's neck. Oh, it was like ugh. it was like that scene, you know. That oh, I, really I love the part. I love it when Mahogany's on his knees and he's just looking up at Leon and he says, "Welcome." Yeah, he's like he's dying there and he's grinning and. He tries to express He's spitting blood out. He's bleeding out of his mouth and says, Welcome. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Leon goes all like full frontal, like like man mode and stabs him one last time, dude. Like, Through the, the back of the head, out the mouth with that big ass knife. Like, dude, you already got a femur in him, you know? Yeah, but he's, he's I mean, technically, uh, Mahogany was dead at that point. He was dead. But you know what? I think Leon just needed to. Take a little aggression out and right through the skull. And I have to say this little reference. It's brutal down there. Because <laughs> 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 they're they're fucking down there, dude. This is like a place that like the MTA doesn't even know about. Like you're like in a, like you said, you're in like this pocket of a different dimension of hell that goes the train goes into this other places, in my opinion. Yeah. This is kind of like the sewer of hell. Yeah. And then we get this conductor coming up there telling Leon that Mahogany didn't have what it takes anymore. Mm-hmm. And he picks Leon up like fucking like the like super nothing. supernatural strength, I have to say. And as the seas butcher, you know, they, and rips out, Le- oh man, when he rips out Leon's tongue. And then he eats it, eats dude. It. He yeah, it. he eats it. That's like Signing a deal with like your law firm, like you sign a paper that like that's, like, that's you're now his employee kind of thing. That was the gross part. Him eating it. Oh, he ate it very slowly. Did you notice that? Like it was like he was enjoying that. Yeah, and then he Leon over that. Uh, he explains Leon that the creatures have lived beneath the city long before the subway was constructed, and the butchers job is to feed them each night to keep them from attacking subway riders during the day well thank you actually conductor i appreciate that <laughs> the conductor brings the conductors and the and the butchers thank you to the conductors and the butchers like yeah I also said it was to keep this world from running into that world exactly so you're right with your dimension thing and so am i like, i think that mm-hmm. this dimension yeah you it's very josh whedon clyde barker mixture if i have to say yeah, it's very, it's very much giving off the whole hell dimension like Joss Whedon would have created, where, you know, Buffy went down into a hell dimension to save the the people that were going under from wherever in Los Angeles. Exactly. I know too much about Buffy. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> I, we, guys, if we get to Patreon size, we'll, and you like Buffy, we'll do like a complete summer series on Buffy favorite episodes. So please I can talk there. about Buffy... For years, okay. I, I can analyze that shit until I'm, you know, an old grandma. All right, so now the conductor, who is like boss baddie, 
that forces Leon to watch. It was like so quick as he really cuts Maya's chest open to remove her heart, like like that. She was alive. She was alive when he when he's doing this, you guys. She was just unconscious. Yep, and he can't scream or do anything because he's got no tongue. He can't talk, but he can scream because he does scream. He does scream, but he can't say anything. No tongue, guys. Again, Leon. He looks like hell, Leon. And oh the, God, yeah. the, the conductor tells him, now, serve without question as we all do. He says that having killed the butcher, Leon must take his place, basically. He says that as he's presenting Maya's heart to Leon. Like, the fuck? Yep. And there's that little out of the conductor piece, guys. And now we get to another sequence. And we see a sequence where somebody, not going to describe who yet, is getting ready, just like Mahogany did. Used same process. Then we see Detective Hadley. Second place, too. Yeah, we see Detective Hadley, who hands this person the train schedule to the new butcher here, who wears the same ring with the symbol of the group that feeds the creatures. And I, I got to say it. They don't show his face, but they will show his haircut. It's the same fucking haircut. It's just a smaller frame. Yep. And but as he's walking out the door. No, not yet. Oh, the, okay. The, the, the snail killer butcher walks onto the midnight train. And as he looks into the window of the train and turns slightly around, we see him now. And that's Leon. He is now the new butcher for the midnight meat train. I gotta wonder, though. Is he now mahogany, or does he have his own identity? He well, if you look in the hotel, he still has that picture of Maya on the wall. Yes, he so does. I think he still has some kind of himself left. Well, I mean, mahogany probably did too. Yeah, but mahogany did for decades. You know how long until That's true. Leon goes through this, where he'll rip that picture. Lose his yeah, he'll lose his humanity at some point. And who knows with, with Detective Hadley how long she's been doing this, too. That's true. We don't know if Hadley's been doing this for... There's a the lot of questions I'd like to see answered at this, you know? Oh, hell yeah. I gotta ask. I mean, if if you were in Leon's position, could you... Could you break away from that pull that had him at the very beginning that got him sucked into this whole entire world? Could you do it? Could you resist it? I think at this point, you just lost everything and you basically are implanted with something on you that's supernaturally powerful that if you break that, you might end up dying yourself. And I don't think you have a choice. I think it's your job now. I, in a weird way, I feel like this was predestined because so very few people become the butcher. Yeah. Kind of like in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Only a few people get, get All right. to be the one. All right. All right. This is, anyway, <laughs> like, real quick before we give our ratings, I want to mention like how this film was in 2005, originally about to shoot in two, uh, New York City and, and Montreal. But the original director left the production in 2006 and was replaced by our now director because it was impossible to shoot in New York. Shooting was moved to Los Angeles due to the, pro, you know, the, the expensively prohibitive cost of shooting in New York City. 
various locations in LA, the Metro subway system were used instead. Shooting began in uh, 2007. And I could tell you the, the difference between New York and LA is it definitely looks like the LA system instead of the New York system. Most of the uh, in exterior shots were in Montreal, of course, but yeah, there's no way you could have filmed this movie in New York with that budget. No, I I believe this budget was only 15 million. That would that would have got you nothing in New York City. You could not have yeah. filmed in a subway late night. There's no way you would have had an empty train in New York. No. You know what's surprising is they only made like 3.5 in the box office. But it became a movie. Yeah, it became a cult classic, a cult classic at midnight screenings, and it got a know. big fan favorite thing on like DVD sales and everything else. I just figured it would have gotten so much more in the box office and it did terrible. Yeah, like Bradley Cooper really doesn't talk about this movie a lot, but if I've seen at least two other movies I told you. Where in the background on a TV screen, it's the it's this it's a scene from Midnight Meat Train and on the TV screen. Mm-hmm. So it's like so weird. I think it was in a Tarantino film actually. I think that there's a couple of Tarantino films where this is playing in the background. Yeah, I did see it in like a Tarantino film. And I believe in maybe one or two Wes Craven movies as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it was like this highly acceptable movie that really fell on the radar at the time. But I am glad to see that, you know, it's becoming a a favorite amongst the younger generation. I don't I, know if you've noticed that, but I have. Yeah, I hope that we bring it to more people at this podcast and becomes a favorite because this is a really, like, when you, you do like live podcasts on horror and they don't talk about this movie, it really like why do you not talk about this movie? This movie is so important. It was like one of Clyde Barker's that he didn't direct films that did so well and wasn't cheesy and campy. It was so directly gory, bloody. Uh, with the hell dimension, it really does give off Clive's uh, Hellraiser uh, vibe. Not, and It's not the same thing, but it does have kind of that creepy, scary, otherworldly vibe that Hellraiser gives you as well when you go into the hell world yeah i have to say it's one of my favorite short stories from book of blood like it was something that i read constantly it's, it's really a short story but it was uh him like basing it on new york subways and things like that it wasn't necessarily new york subways it, it was the subways but yeah it was like definitely he i knew in his mind i i kind of saw right reading that script reading that book he did like kind of mention like in 84 when he wrote that when he did come visit New York, I think he kind of like believed in like there is some dimension under New York's train system or something, you know, maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, I got to give it to Kinamari. He, he did a very good job with depicting this, the story, giving it depth, giving the characters life and just, you know, for an hour and 42 minutes, he captured the entire story perfectly. Definitely did. And um, I think, now we should be on to our ratings of the film. And I want to start. Like, um, I would rate this film from the day I saw it to now. I have to say, guys, like, um, with the casting of um, a young Bradley Cooper, like, who really was nothing but, like, alias TV show and some small projects. He was great in Lee. Vinnie Jones is great. Leslie Bibb was great. Like, um, the director was amazing adapting a Clive Barker short story from 1984 that I love. And it gave, it gave me so 
honor to see this movie where I love the story. I thought this movie would never actually portray the story well, and it did. And I give it a five. I totally love this movie. Okay, I I respect your five. I'm not far from your five. I give it a 4.5 only because I love it, but it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite movie, but I, I was so excited to do this. But I mean, like, um, I think that a little bit more attention to detail could have been paid. But for the price or the budget that they had, they couldn't have done any better. And I absolutely applaud them for what they did here. No, I appreciate that. I, I agree. With that budget, um, that time, you really weren't like nobody was really considering you to be like a big seller. They, they didn't even put this in big theaters or anything, you know? That's why. No, honestly, none of the theaters, at least around where I was at that time, they never played it. This went straight to whatever streaming uh, we had on the cable at that point. That's about it. Like it didn't get very much hype at all when it first came out. Yeah, that's that's very like that's what we're saying. Like with these generations of movies, I think what we have now we have a screen box, we have like Shutter, we have Tubi, we have that, all these other apps. Uh, a lot of indie horror films or like movies made with only three million, four million are getting getting seen better with these apps, and they're becoming bigger cult classics and making more money because of these apps. They didn't have that when we were growing up, when this movie came out. Exactly. And a lot of people don't want to be going to the theaters and stuff like that, especially with the coronavirus and stuff like, you know, things like that. Um, now these movies are, as as you almost said, they're so much more ready available. They're, they're, at, the, they're at our fingertips now. Yeah, like I love in the commercials on TV I see it's like only in theaters, but then I look on Amazon Prime and it's like available for rent. I'm like, I thought you said only in theaters, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Because like, yeah, like he said, there's my aunt, my uncle. They go to like uh, they go to like this Tuesday show at AMC theaters where no one's ever old people. They pick their seats away from everybody. They're still they're old. They don't want to be around people that might give them COVID. COVID still exists in New York big time. And other places like where you live, exactly everywhere in the world, and they would they they rather enjoy their time not getting sick. So me personally, with you in the chop shop watching a movie from the chop shop is more secure for us not having to go and get tested for COVID on a, the next day, you know. Especially for those of us that are doing this as as a career and a hobby, it's kind of like our life. You know, I'm, I don't feel like going and getting that thing up my nose every time I want to go out and see a freaking movie. Yeah, like this is like our passion, and we're gonna give the this audience here everything we can. So we're gonna do the best, but we we do do that. We risk our lives in a lot of ways. Like go to the theater sometimes, a packed theater to see a horror movie that we need to like review. You know. Well, Zach risks his life. What I do is I I go around and I sneak through people's houses and I steal people's copies or I get on their TV and kind of watch things under their accounts. You know, I'm very sneaky. Oh, she lives in India, guys. She steals your information. <gasps> you gave me away. <laughs> anyway, so now on to our last two sponsors of the night. Blood Witch Unlimited, a company focusing on all things and all clothing. Dark. All things dark with the best of quality. Available now, which I'm still in love with. 
their awesome new tea, Nosferatu, available on their site. As the brand states, the film did truly start all our receptions with the dark and macabre. And Nosferatu is the biggest vampire inspiration to our genre. And the film was released in 1922 in Germany. Yeah, they had to say face, I guess. The anyway. very first vampire movie ever to be made. And black and white, silent as well. Beautiful, poetic, terrifying. Love it. And Blood Witch Awards, Underground Darkness, just like the Chop Shop does. Remember, guys, the brand's message is simply no saviors. Look within. Shop now, www.bloodwitchunlimited.com. And follow and start a conversation with them on Instagram and Facebook at Blood Witch Unlimited. And let them know that Zach and Al from the Chop Shop sent you their way. Or to say the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop sent you their way. And boom, there you go. I had to say boom for you, Al. Boom. <laughs> and now on to our last sponsor of this episode. Pray for us clothing. An indie brand that has the message, the end is near. And offers worldwide shipping, everyone. With the spring now here. To all the ladies out there, you should definitely oh check God. out the brand's Idle Hands tee dyed shirt with logo in front. Available now for $46. Feel for them and feel the idle hands starting to wander away. When ordering, get a, get a, get a great deal when you use our discount code. All lowercase, the horror supernatural chop shop for a great percentage off your entire order world fucking wide all all right then damn which means we don't care they don't care where you're at nope. you're getting free shipping damn it from us and them yes that is a hell of a freaking deal do you guys know how much shipping costs these days oh yeah and doom 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 i don't have like that i don't have the editing thing for that but i say <laughs> Horror news of the episode this Monday to wake you all up and give you more information on horror movies coming soon. All right, I have to say, I just broke the news this weekend, and it was confirmed that Linda Blair will be reprising her role as Reagan McNeil from The Exorcist, my favorite movie, in David Gordon Green's upcoming direct sequel that's already now finished to the original 1973 classic, at Universal Pictures. Above the Line website actually broke the news, indicating that Blair was only on set for a few days, being seen shooting scenes, and is likely to be in a small part. But also, Linda Blair, we found that, is now serving as an had served as an advisor on the full upcoming film said by Bloomhouse Films. What's the title of that, that film? It's not out yet. They don't. They have not released the title or any of that yet. Ooh. It's Bloomhouse, so it's gonna be fucking rocking. Yeah, I think they filmed that amazingly in very secret situations, and I liked it. It was the fact that nobody. It wasn't called The Conjuring or anything. Like it wasn't like anything big that people know around. Like younger people know. I think Exorcist, The Exorcist is pretty much not known to younger couples that when they're filming this stuff and say Pittsburgh or Detroit or anything when they're filming this movie and they don't know it that much so I got I get the fact that like they filmed it very easily under wraps you know 
I'm personally very excited for anything that Linda Blair does because she doesn't do a whole lot anymore. No, and the fact that she is also an advisor is amazing. Yes, that's incredible. I loved it. She is one of the original OG Scream Queens. I don't care what anybody says. She is the final girl. I, I don't even say final girl. I say final, like, I got through the shit and I lived through it kind of person, you know? Dude, she beat that fucking demon many times. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I absolutely love Linda Blair. I don't know what, what you guys are doing in the horror stuff, but Linda Blair is amazing. She's like, been doing these uh, Honestly, did. if you think, like, Sydney from Scream went through a lot of shit, or, like, you know, other girls have to go through shit for, like, their Scream Queen status, look at Linda Blair as a child who her whole life got fucked up. From that I'm, movie. I'm not I'm not direct I'm not really shitting on the Scream franchise, but in a way I am. Scream is the wish version of Halloween. Come on. And listen, different different about that. The, screen, the, the ghost face. Like really. And again, guys, like um I think by the 20th episode, which is going to be kind of an anniversary for us, we might do a new screen film. And I have to say, not having Nev Campbell in the film did not hurt it whatsoever. I can't I can't speak on, on number six, but I will. Soon. But alright, I hope you guys enjoyed us reviewing another obscure movie that I think, if you haven't seen, you must see. It has to be seen. Uh, we're trying to pick films now that we will pick like big films everybody's seen we have to but we're going to pick films like this like i me and her did not think anybody really reviewed the midnight need train and we have to and this is like exactly. what we're you about were, you were shocked that i had i had even liked the movie yeah like yeah this is definitely one of those hidden gems that you know, it, it got kind of overlooked Yep, and this is 17, 18. I think we're going to have another hidden gem that got overlooked. Oh, I hope so. I, I love doing the ones that aren't really mainstream movies. I love it. So look forward to our 18th episode all and see what we're going to come up with in our job shop to review. And for the end of the show, Elle, please take it away and tell everybody how they can find you, not in the stalkery kind of creepy way that leon was doing but like in your way okay no leons uh <laughs> you can find me on instagram at 85 dark sparkles that's pretty much the only way you can find me is instagram you guys um and then now uh, you can check out my my artwork that i have on my on my etsy which is bitsynation.etsy.com if you need to find the link, it is on my Instagram. Uh, you can comment on Zach's posts, uh, ask questions. If he can't get to them, I will. You definitely do. I'm always very active on our accounts. so I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. I love that. Yeah. With me, uh, you can always find me, obviously, running the Horror Supernatural Chop Show with L, always like answering questions if I can't. That's the Horror Supernatural Chop Shop on Instagram. And also, you can email me for interest in being a sponsor or being on the show as a you know guest or whatnot. And you can email me at Zach, THS Chop Shop 
at gmail.com for that information. Please don't share any creepers like Leon. And also check out my Mr. Eyeliner Instagram account. It's a company I started about anti-bullying. And we have 12 eyeliners that are all inspired by lost loved ones and more. And I'm very proud of it. It's a big part of my life. But at the end of the day, I want to say to everybody, this show and uh, my message about starting the podcast and having this great partner, our message is, and I always use it in every hashtag when we do post, horror movie lovers against bullying. If you're a horror movie lover um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on whatever platform, again, I'm older now. I don't care. I just want to support horror and love it i want to be the main person involved in this industry with l doing this i don't care about it but we all need to support each other it's we don't need to spy on each other or try to one do updo each other and one you know it's, it's it's all love man it's all love we all love horror we can love horror so use the hashtag horror movie lovers against bullying support this you know it's not for me we don't make a dollar off of it it's about a system of community Yes, it really is. It's about building a uh, kind of like a family and promoting positivity and acceptance. Yes, guys, acceptance. Like Leon had what he gave away. <laughs> oh, your references tickle me. <laughs> I tickle, I tickle. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. This has been, this has been Zach. <laughs> The horror supernatural chop shop and oh this Zach the Chop Shop, I want to say now. And L Sparkly Sparks, the Chop Shop now. And we are gonna say have a great week, horror lovers. Be kind to one another and watch a horror movie that it's not constantly promoted. Think about what L talks about be horror. It's not a shitty movie. It's something worth watching. Talk about when I give you a new movie and you're like, I don't want to watch new movies in the two thousands. I put a movie post on my page and our page to show you there's films worth watching. Okay. Keep in mind, you guys, 90%, 90, well, 85 to 90% of the horror movies that are out there, they are low budget. And that's where the art really comes in play. They're doing what they can with what they have. And it's absolutely amazing to see these talents come together to make these stories, these fun, scary stories. Don't take it so seriously. Give it the love it deserves. Exactly. So another episode has been in the chop shop now. This is going to be the end episode 17. We're going to move on to episode 18. We're working our way to episode 20 for the season. And we can't wait to put our thinking caps on and prepare another great episode for all of you. So please keep sharing this podcast. Please keep making comments. Please like our post and get us to the Patreon status and get us to be the hard duel in reality that we know we are. And again, as the great George A. Romero always said, in my opinion, I still believe this, but at home, I'm going to have to change this comment now. I really have to stay scared and see you at the movies. But I want to say this. See you at the movies together in a home situation where we're safe. Yes, definitely. Stay safe. Stay creepy. We love you guys. Have a great night all and a great day. And L, another great one. I'll see you in the chop shop in a little bit, okay? All righty. Good night. Bye-bye.